6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 145 through 150. Let's take the first one, 146 from 1 to 4. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord, of course, is hallelujah. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praise unto my God while I have any being. While I have any existence at all. That's even beyond lifetime. That's also into the afterlife, as we might use the term. The psalmist says, while I live, will I praise the Lord. Boy, we need to do that. It's our highest calling. It's what we were created for. There's nothing we can do that is more uh, has a higher priority in our uh, horizon than praising God. Do we bother? I won't ask for a show of hands, but you might just examine yourself. Do we focus any attention or prioritization on just stopping to praise Him? When we get to the end, we'll make some remarks about worship near the end. But, you know, it's interesting, in reading on this a little bit, it was highlighted to me that there is no such thing as public worship. We talk about public worship, meaning we're going to do it as a group. And, and I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but real worship is a personal thing. You might be in a crowd doing it too, but you're doing it. Real worship is personal. It is private. It is intimate. And it is, it is uh, committed. While I live, will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man in whom there is no help. Sounds like the psalmist was listening to some of our campaign speeches. <laughs> I don't know about you, and I'm not here to, to pick on any particular person, but I think it's a sorry lot, the bunch of them. It's astonishing to me that a culture that's been as blessed as ours has to serve up such a dismal cast of alternatives as we approach our, uh, a critical election in our history. I mean, these are a band of losers. Virtually, not maybe not everyone, but practically. I mean, this, as, as a, a segment of our society, it's discouraging. And, that, and it's in them that our hope is to rest? Hardly. Hardly. We can easily claim this psalm we do not put our trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Indeed, indeed, the problems we face are problems that even a hero could not handle, because the problems facing our, our leadership is really challenging. It would be challenging for really serious statesmen, not the shoddy self-serving politicians that typically uh, line up to exploit the media time they have and so forth. Anyway, 
Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, and he returneth to his earth, and his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. You know, it's interesting. Don't take for granted the God of Yaakov, the God of Israel, the living God. Most people on the earth do not worship the living God. They create alternatives that they're more comfortable with. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Indeed, we should be happy that we serve a living God, not a synthetic one, not, not a false God, not a God of deceit and falsehood. We have a God of Jacob, the God of Israel for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. Wow. Something to keep in mind. He made everything we know. He made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. That's not trivial. He really did. Which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord looseth his prisoners. Indeed, that's what we're celebrating when we get to the, what we call the Easter season. I should say the Passover and the Resurrection Sunday that he loosed the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked, he turneth upside down. Praise God. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. In the closing verses of this psalm, the Lord, meaning yod heh or Yahweh, or Jehovah, whatever tradition you want to synthesize there, Yahweh is mentioned eight times in the closing verses of the psalm. Where it says the Lord in your English translation, that's usually the rendering of what in the Hebrew would be yod heh the four letters that the tetragrammaton, and sometimes translated Yahweh, and, or Jehovah, which is really a corruption of the German, Jehovah. But in any case, whatever. Okay, let's go to Psalm 147. This is also obviously a hallelujah psalm. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. Indeed it is. Praise is not an onerous task. It's not something we sort of do because it's our duty. No, it's good. It's a joy. For it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. Why don't we do it more? Whenever we do it, it's a pickup. Why don't we? Well, I'm dragging today. Try it and see what happens to your day that's so down. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathered together the outcasts of Israel. Why is that good news for us? It's obviously good news for Israel. Why is it good news for us? Because it tells us what time it is on God's calendar. You want to know what time it is on God's calendar? You don't read a book on prophecy? Go see what's happening to Israel. Because a scenario is written in advance. It's ups and downs and so forth. And the Lord is building up Jerusalem. 
And what happens when you build up Jerusalem? Check Psalm 121 and some of the others, if you remember. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken heart, and he bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. Wow. He calleth them all by their names. You know, one thing about this that you don't pick up in the English is the frequency of participles. That's the ings, the building up, the gathering, the healing, the binding is the way it is actually in the Hebrew. These are participles. They imply continuous action. They, the, the, the intent of that grammatical structure is continuing action. So he's building, he's gathering, he's healing, he's binding up their wounds. He's telling the number and so forth. These, there's an action thing here that you miss in, in, the, in the politeness of the, of the English here. And uh, so, uh, but this verse 4 is a fact. He telleth the number of the stars. How many stars are there? The billions and billions. We don't have numerics that can really embrace them. We have estimates, but they're wild. The numbers that if you tried to render them in a lecture, you, 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 have, you have no ability to grasp the size, the number of stars in a single galaxy, let alone the fact that the number of galaxies is a number. I mean, it gets, it gets crazy. But the number is so vast that we don't have a number to embrace it on the one hand, and yet he has a name for each one. That's, um, from an information science point of view, staggering. That goes beyond, beyond. Uh -huh. He telleth the number of the stars. Wow, okay. He calleth them all by their names. They have names. I wonder why. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is finite. No. His understanding is what? Infinite. You know... That's a word we bandy about a lot, especially in mathematics classes. But do you want to know something? That you cannot find infinity in the physical universe. There are two things that are concepts in mathematics that are well-defined that you cannot find in the physical universe. One of them is infinity. Well, the universe is infinite. No, it's not. The great discovery of 20th century science was that the universe is finite both in its macrocosm, that in its, its outside size, it's also finite in its smallness. When you get down to a certain smallness, you can't make it half that size anymore. Up till then, you can take whatever you got and cut it in half and take what's left and cut it. You keep doing that. Uh-uh. You get to a point where, there's a, where you get to an indivisible a unit that can't be divided, whether it's length, mass, time, energy. They all have Planck length. They all have, that's why they call it quantum physics, because when you try to divided, that the thing that you're dividing suddenly is everywhere at one time. It's, it lacks locality, they say, whatever that means. Now, um, so the universe is, we can't find infinity. We can conceive of it, and it's a useful concept in certain kind of theoretical constructions in mathematics, but you can't find infinity in, real, in the real world, in, the, in what we call reality. And uh, so the other, the other thing you can't find, surprisingly, is randomness. Not true randomness. Because whatever you think is random probably has gotten there by some process, therefore it's not random. So randomness is also an elusive boundary. So you have infinity on the one sense and randomness, and, and both of those are unreachable by man. Because we live in a virtual reality, not a real reality. That's the conclusion of the, the uh, uh, of, of 
people who study these kinds of things. Anyway, so his understanding, God's, is infinite. I was asked on an interview today, I, I, you know, I'm a radio interviewer, and, and, and the guy was asking the question, you know, why did God, you know, create man when he knew that it was going to be so sinful and so much pain and suffering? Why did he do that? And the answer, of course, is because to, to God is interested in demonstrating his infiniteness. Now, infinite power we can sort of imagine from astronomy. Infinite knowledge we can sort of imagine because he knows everything. But how do you demonstrate infinite love? How does God, and, and, and that's really what this whole drama is all about. Because God knew that by creating man and giving him free will, man would get himself into a predicament that only the death of God himself would prevail to get him out of that mess, to demonstrate infinite love. And that's exactly what Paul mentions in Ephesians 2. We all quote Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith and so forth. We missed the verse before that. So that, so he can so that in ages yet to come he can demonstrate his love through our riches in Christ and so forth. So anyway, so God's understanding is infinite and his love is infinite and that's what we're participating in is, is his demonstration of just how far he will go to give us eternal life if we will but accept it. The Lord lifteth up the meek. What is the meek? We use that term all the time. Well, that's just sort of a quiet guy. No, what is meek? It's power under control power under control. The Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. Praise God. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. We're going to notice that these some, there's a lot of instruments. Playing instruments is a good idea. All through here we're going to find there's, here's a harp. We're going to find all kinds of uh, and Don't miss that. That Instruments are good. There are a lot of people that you know, get so pious. We don't know. We want instruments in the sanctuary. No. Yeah, well, anyway, I I, I better stop on that one. Let's go on. Uh, Who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth the rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. A strange concept about ravens. You know, the ancients believed that ravens were abandoned by their parents and had to find food on their own. And uh, that's what even it's, uh, uh, in Luke chapter 12, we find the phrase, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse or barn, but God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? That, but see, again, it's dwelling on this notion that the ravens have to fend for themselves. See, the common belief among some, is that ravens had to find, were abandoned by parents, had to, they're on their own. They're just like orphans in that sense. And, and uh, it's even sort of under, uh, undergirds the, that remark in Luke 12. But anyway, uh, and to the ravens which cry. So in other words, okay, so let's, uh, granting this belief, whether it's true or not, the point is God provides for them too. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. Gee, I do. But uh, he delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. I'm pausing because I, uh, I think every father that has daughters that ha- ends up w- w- with some discretionary income gets tangled up in horses. You know, uh, yeah. uh, girls like horses between the toys and the boys, right? And so, and, uh, so uh, 
but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm one of these guys that like my horses 300 at a time under a hood. That's where they belong. <laughs> but anyway. Which reminds me of the guy that missed his wedding anniversary and his wife was really upset. Says, if, there, if tomorrow morning there isn't something in the driveway that goes from zero to 206 seconds, you're in big trouble. The next morning she gets up, looks out the window, and there's a box with a ribbon on it out in the driveway. Puts on her bathrobe, goes out there and opens the box, and it was a bathroom scale. <laughs> they, they tell me that he's not accepting visitors yet. <laughs> anyway, back to work. Sorry about that. Okay. He taketh not the pleasure in the legs of a man or of the silly stories that some teachers throw into the thing. Sorry, I apologize. Okay. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Indeed, we hope for his mercy. We don't relish his justice. We want mercy, not justice. And I think all of you, of course, are, are familiar with the difference between grace and mercy. Grace is uh, getting what we don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what we do. But uh, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise thy God, O Zion, for he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates, he hath blessed the, thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders, and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. Indeed. He sendeth forth his commandment upon the earth, his word runneth very swiftly. Boy, his word does run swiftly. You know, it's fascinating to study history, and realize that the Reformation that changed the face of the earth did not occur because Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the door in Wittenberg. That was a triggering event, but that's not why it happened. The reason it could go like wildfire through Europe, because a guy in the neighborhood invented a printing press. The Gutenberg press made possible the Reformation. We overlooked that. Because the Word of God now could be in every man's hands. And that's what helped get the Word from the cloisters into the uh, homes. Same thing's going on today. Same thing's going on today. It's a thing called internet. That you can, with a couple of punches of the keys, draw up more resources than populate the libraries of most seminaries. You can travel with a thing in your lap on a plane that carries more word-searchable books than uh, populate most libraries. The resources available to every person where you can get at the Word of God in the original language without knowing the original language. You do not have to know Hebrew or Greek in order to use Hebrew and Greek. The computer will diagram the sentences for you. You put your little arrow on any word in the English and it'll tell you what lies behind it in the Hebrew or the Greek or whatever. The power of the tools that are available and the good... There are fabulous ones that are free. They cost zero. And you want to avail yourself of those. The Blue, the Blue Letter Bible on the Internet. Incredible resource. It's free. eSword for your computer. Incredible package. Now, there are other packages, too, that are very elaborate and expensive, and I'm not knocking them. They're, they have their features. But the point is, the resources are astounding. As a student of, of markets, I'm amazed 
that the marketplace for biblical helps is so large and so viable that there are a handful of major vendors. Usually in a narrow market, a specialized market, there's one or two dominant vendors that quickly own it because it's a narrow market. No, in the biblical helps world, there are a handful of major suppliers plus dozens of other competent specialty. It's amazing the vitality of that marketplace. And some of the greatest tools are free. So you want to be doing he, he sendeth forth his commandment upon the earth. His word runneth very swiftly. Boy, it sure does. There's no excuse for anyone to have any ignorance of the word of God. He giveth snow like wool. He gathereth the hoarfrost like ashes. Now, I don't know about you, but I had to look that up. <laughs> what on earth is hoarfrost? It comes from the Latin meaning rug of fire. It resembles the fine gray uh, ash of wood was burned in the open air. So it's sometimes, the, the frost looks like ashes because it darkens light, resembles the color in them, and it has a kind of burning in it. So it's a term that that's why the hoarfrost is likened to ashes. That's really what that, 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 that's that about. Anyway, he casteth forth his ice-like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? <laughs> Let Napoleon answer that question. He didn't do his homework about the Scythians. He entered Russia with 450,000 of his grand armée and was lucky to leave with less than 10,000. He found out what, that the Russians invented winter. <laughs> <laughs> he sent out his word and melteth them. He causeth the wind to blow and the waters to flow. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. Boy, that's a thought. There is no other nation on the earth that can claim that they are in possession of the word of God in the sense that Israel can. We're all indebted to them. He hath not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. Boy, boy, boy. Okay, Psalm 148, another hallelujah psalm. Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. You know, Solomon um, said, uh, Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee of God. He was, you know, speaking of the temple, he's, he, he, while he built the temple, he was glad to do it, he recognized that that can't contain God. Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. Heaven of heaven, that's a strange term, isn't it? See, again, the, the, the general understanding of this is that there were three heavens. The first heaven is with the heaven, the, the air the birds fly in. The, ne the second heaven where, where the stars are. The heaven of heavens is the next one. It's a, it's another, it's a hyperspace uh, type of allusion, if you will. And so Paul uses that phrase. I went, I, you know, the third, he speaks of the third heaven. Same. The heaven of heavens is generally regarded the Hebrew equivalent of what the Greeks would call the third heaven. But anyway, um, praise him, all ye angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. What is he talking about hosts? The hosts of God. Who? Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heaven of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Wow. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded 
and they were created. All these things are created out of information, and the information is what he spoke. They were created. He spoke them into existence. He hath also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass, that is, pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons, all ye deeps, fire and hail and snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. And the word, the word actually for fire can mean lightning or volcanoes, depending on how you want to uh, treat it. But uh, in any case, okay. Mountains and the hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. He did it all. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. Now the word horn here deserves a quick comment. He also exalteth the horn of his people. Now the word horn is intended to communicate authority or power. The horn, of course, of an animal was representative of his strength or power and his protection and, his, and so forth. So the horn is used idiomatically here to mean authority or power. And it usually is also used to mean of a king or whoever the leader of a people is. He also exalteth the horn of his people. Now, this can only be Christ. And remember what the... Uh, Angel promised Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 to 33, that her child would sit on David's throne. He would be the horn of his people. At the time Gabriel told that to Mary, there was no one on David's throne. There was a Roman appointee of an Edomite, an enemy of Israel. Edom was an enemy of Israel. Herod was an Idumean or an Edomite. They haven't had a horn of their people on a throne to this day from then. He also exalted the horn of his people. Who is the psalmist alluding to whether he realizes it or not? Jesus Christ. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Mm -hmm.